Julian Stance of the Memphis-based With Bravado has joined The Antidote. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I have to say, this is a typical first question from me. Who's in the band? And maybe you could also tell us about how With Bravado began. Okay, well, first of all, uh, uh, my name is Julian. I sing and play guitar. Uh, my wife, Kayla, plays bass and sings. One of our best friends in the world, we grew up with him, Ryan, plays guitar. Uh, best drummer in the world is Tom, and he plays for uh, for us. And then uh, CJ uh, plays guitar for us as well. CJ actually also has a, a solo project called CJ Starnes that's actually doing pretty well. Uh, and it's kind of the uh, the pretty sister. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you got to explain that. How did you happen to be able to claim some of the best musicians on the planet? Well, I, you know, I I think that I may have just been blessed. I don't I don't think I deserved it, but um, we recorded a record, and by the time we were done recording it, everybody except for Kayla and me were gone, and so we were like, well, we <laughs> we have a record, but we can't support it, so we'll put it out, and that'll be the end of music, and I'll never do music again. This is too big of a headache, and I'll never do it again. And about that time, I met CJ, and CJ was doing a solo project, as he is now, uh, and it was just such beautiful music. I was just thinking, man, this kid's going to go somewhere. And then he was like, man, I need a guitar player. And I was like, I'll work with you. And he knew a drummer, and the whole thing kind of built on itself. And before you knew it, he had convinced me to go back into studio and you know, kind of not bury the band. It was pretty cool. It all worked out. It absolutely did. The Antidote recently had friends of yours on the show. So having two bands from Memphis as guests, it makes it sound like the city has a big music scene. Yeah, so the city does have a big music scene. And uh, I, a lot of people seem like they're they're shocked to find out that there's, you know, a, a pretty good indie scene here. And there's a, a pretty good, you know, heavy rock scene here. And there's some, like, southern country rock, you know, here. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing. You think of, like... Memphis blues and and uh, you know rap music and stuff, but like it, there's a lot more going on in Memphis than just that. And what is it with rock? You guys are alternative style rock, but rock is supposed to be a, a dying genre. So is yeah. it? I, I I think that rock definitely died, but I think that there were enough people. You, you know how like. Um, grunge was kind of an overcorrection for the super hyper polished late eighties hair metal. Yeah, true. And then like the boy and girl bands um, were kind of a, a hyper reaction to that. I think that when they threw rock, you know, into the paper shredder, um, it was an overreaction, and we got a bunch of indie, we got a bunch of very quiet music, and we got a bunch of extremely highly processed kind of bring your laptops on stage and hit play kind of music mm -hmm. um which and i'm not i'm not being derisive that stuff sounds good and is well performed and stuff it's just that you know just having five people on stage actually playing the music you know and and there's you know, there's no laptop holding you up it's just visceral and coming off the stage and coming out of your amps and if somebody messes up, they mess up and <laughs> the whole thing crumbles and <laughs> there's sort of not a safety net, you know? So I think that there's a little bit of danger that was lost when people kind of started doing sort of the pop rock thing in that, that sort of hyper-processed, um, you know, almost can't fail. I've seen bands where like the guitar player's guitar came unplugged and I couldn't tell. 
you know, and it's like, (laughs) it's like, okay, so like, this is sort of built so that it almost can't fail. But like, there's a little bit of like, you know, the reason that people like watching trapeze artists isn't because they like trapeze. It's because there's a little bit of danger, you know, and, and you kind of wonder if they're going to fall. And with rock music, there's always been a little bit of danger. And I think that that's coming back and you're seeing like pop punk come back and a little bit more ruckus music come back. You see like tiny moving parts, you know, and that kind of thing making the rounds. And so it's, it's cool to sort of see rock music uh, get kind of a second lease on life and, and for there to be a demand for it. Cause there is a demand for it. And a lot of the younger kids I've, I'm coming across, you know, are very interested in rock music. And when I say, Hey, what, what do you want to do? They pick up a guitar. I think that's awesome. Then would you say that the interest in rock is just age related? Um, it could be, I think that we're living in kind of trying times and that brings out a little bit more aggression sometimes. And so maybe, you know, there, there's this new wave of, a little bit of aggressive rock coming out um, in response to the zeitgeist, you know, that we're surrounded by. But, you know, I'm seeing kind of a swath. I'm seeing nine-year-olds play Zeppelin. You know, I'm seeing, you know, 21-year-olds, you know, talk about post-hardcore music. So it's kind of, it's interesting to sort of see these things, you know, meld. And I, I don't know, it might be less of an age thing. It might be more of a time and place thing. It seems like people are wanting to make noise with a guitar now. Well, I suppose rather than talking about just the entire music scene in general, we got to look at you guys. Well, if we have to. <laughs> well, I think we probably should. Oh, well, okay. You sent me a stack of music a couple of weeks ago. Something you didn't send me was with Bravado's 2014 debut, Amusing Ourselves to Death. I did track it down and found that your style has changed quite a bit since then. Yeah, that, that was a very different lineup. That was kind of our first attempt at making music. And so it, it was very young. We've, we've done a good bit of growing, but, you know, I stand by that music. You know, that was our first record. It was bombastic and ridiculous. And I can't believe we tried to do something that, that crazy, our first record. And uh, I wouldn't go back and do it again. I would change it. <laughs> <laughs> I would do something a little less crazy. But, um, but yeah, so we, we definitely have a... Uh, a record uh, from t- what 2014 and uh, that's the one that we recorded and then everyone left and there was no one left and so that's the record that killed everybody I guess <laughs> <laughs> I did find that the music from that EP was simpler you know I guess I'd say more straightforward and now I don't want you to take this as a negative but I'd call the song statue as being simply sweet yeah so was the band still finding its way on that release? You know, I don't think so. The band's influences shift as the membership, you know, melds and shifts around and as our interests change. But, you know, the band has always had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So whatever we wanted to do, we did it. And so for basically every record, we've had at least one lullaby on a really heavy record and sometimes two. So um, we like having... A more delicate side of the band where it's almost like whisper quiet and exposing a little bit of a uh, more human aspect of what's going on in, in, in our hearts and in our minds. And, uh, you know, I stand by that. I, I'm not ashamed of that. I, I like not being, I like not making the same song over and over. You know, that's one thing that this band has always done well is, is check the ego at the door in the writing room. And if somebody wants to uh, speak their piece about a song, then everybody gets to do it. 
I'm really grateful that I'm in a band where we aren't afraid of each other. You know, hey, this is this is just terrible. Can we do something about this part here? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's never a personal attack. It's always about making the music better. It's never you wrote a terrible part. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's very much about making sure that the song gets to have what it needs. Now, I do realize that you're obviously a very important person in the band, Julian. But we got to be completely honest here. Isn't Kayla the key player in With Bravado? I mean, we got to think about this. She plays bass, does vocals, and creates the band's artwork. So, I don't know. You got to tell me, do the rest of you actually serve any purpose? Yeah, no, definitively no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, you know, the moment that she joined the band was the moment that I was like, okay, this could work. You know, I really, really like her influence and her presence. And honestly, like people might not expect it just because of how quiet and, and sweet she is. But the crazy that happens in this band is all because of her. She's always the one we're having to talk back from the ledge and say, hey, maybe not that crazy. Maybe not that much. Maybe we need to not do this. And she's like, more is more. We have to do more. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you think her interest lies? Is it actually doing the physical art or the music art? Yeah, she is. She is a visual artist first. Yeah, for sure. And then she she deigns to grace us with her presence and her beautiful voice and her willingness to play music. Um, no, she's always been very supportive and she does enjoy playing music. It's just that this is, um, she's a trained visual artist first. Bands have different reasons for making music. So what's the story with Bravado? Uh, well, with Bravado kind of just, I, it sort of really honestly is born out of friends just getting together and making music and if we weren't getting together to make music we'd get together and watch movies or play mario kart or something so we'd be together no matter what um but we you know it just so happens that we enjoy making a lot of racket um you know and there is something that that's like uh, abnormal and powerful and visceral about being able to do that and i i really do enjoy the process of like you don't ever do that kind of thing, you know, in your everyday life until you pick up a guitar and are loud. You know, you don't do anything like that the rest of the day. So it's kind of a special treat. And, uh, you know, we we wanted to sort of work within the local scene and the regional scene and do our best to sort of be supportive of local artists. And it's just turned into being that kind of thing. So basically you found yourself an intensely creative hobby. Uh, yeah, you know, I was... Uh, I, I had my left side crushed in when I was 16. And so I had sports taken from me. And so somebody came by and gave me a guitar to work with. And that was, uh, he, he really did just give me a gift of, you know, putting that energy into something else. Cause I, I never played sports again. And, uh, was, sometimes people are like, why don't you move more on stage? It's cause I can't move more on stage. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Oh, no, it's it's okay. It all works out for some sort of greater good. But, you know, I definitely had sports taken from me. So it was nice to have somebody come and say, hey, why don't you play guitar? That's that's cool, you know? Then with one of your shows, do you actually limit your time on stage? Yeah, our shows, we typically enjoy playing shorter sets. You know, We could play three-hour sets. We've done it before. It's just, it's exhausting. And honestly, like people seem like they want smaller bits of your music now. 
Well, let's go on to one of your releases. I think it was, what was it, 2017, you had the silent film release. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was the record I didn't know we were going to make. <laughs> that's the one, after CJ joined the band, that's the one we started writing. Don't tell me by calling it silent film, you're actually an old film geek. Um, I, I am a geek and I do enjoy old films. So yeah, that is, that is the case. Yeah. Um, I actually, I grew up on the 1940s and 1950s Sherlock Holmes, uh, radio plays and then the, uh, the Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, uh, movies. And so I always enjoyed that kind of thing. I enjoyed, I, you know, from the earth to the moon, just all, all the, the, the classics. I, I don't have an extensive knowledge of them, but I, I enjoyed them the album was called silent film because I thought that it said a lot more with what it implied than what it said outright. And so I, I was appreciative that we were able to use context and theme instead of, you know, time, date and place in that record. And of course you can relate to all of this because here you are, you're almost in your eighties now yeah, yeah, being yeah. pushed around in your wheelchair to get on stage. So I can understand this. Right. It is difficult performing from a gurney, but you know. <laughs> no, it's not quite that extreme yet. No, no, no. I'm still footloose and fancy free. <laughs> the silent film release includes I Saw You. And it was funny, when I saw the title, I thought this was going to be a love song. But the lyrics say, I saw you by the side of the road, cherry cola rushing through my bones, silhouette skies smeared as coal. You left me there cold alone. You left me there alone. So that's when I realized I was actually off base. So what inspired the song? The, the song kind of comes out of the feeling of abandonment and the feeling of what that does to your self-esteem and self-worth. But we, we have kind of a rule in this band that we don't linger on anything for, one, for, for too long and we don't enjoy despair. So the song has touches of self-fulfillment and uh not relying on other people for your self-esteem and that kind of thing it, it, but it, it addresses kind of the arc of feeling left uh in a precarious situation and then sort of finding your own way and knowing that like okay that was terrible but i still have worth and i'm still good at things and i can move on and and have a fulfilling life you know it doesn't dictate the rest of my life well let's make this personal then where does your self-esteem come from? I don't ever think about that, so <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. I, I don't know. I just I feel like I, I live a day at a time, so I don't have a lot of time to think about my ego or self-esteem. So I just do the best I can. If that's not good enough for people, then they need to go find someone else because that's all I have to give, you know? I, I just feel like if I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best. And, you know, if, if, if I can help somebody along the way, then that's, that's the... Uh, the way of it. I am a person of faith, so I, I do believe I'm here for a reason. And while I'm here, I'm trying to make things better. So, <laughs> Well, you did say that because when you first contacted The Antidote, you told me, we're a secular band with Christian members, but the angle we approach it from obviously reflects my worldview, which is Christian. But then you also went on to say, I've always said that Christians needed to make music that was actually good. One of the Correct. problems has been that they've abandoned a lot of the places where they could have been helpful. So now I'm interested in hearing what should Christian artists do differently? Well, I, I'll tell you the truth. 
not everyone does this. You know, obviously there, you've got your skillets out there and stuff like that. There are bands who aren't doing worship music. If you think about worship music and then you think, okay, we're going to make a rock band and all you did differently was buy a distortion pedal and play the same thing. You know, it's just not, that's not what it is. You know, you've got to be competitive um, on, on the world stage and on the, on the marketplace. It doesn't make sense for people of faith to complain about there not being people of faith in media and in academia and all of that stuff. And they all leave or they don't make stuff that's as good or better. You know, you, you got to bring it. I don't know a lot of like the Christian rock bands that are like just straight ahead rock and like, you know, don't focus as heavily on being, uh, I'm, th- I'm trying to think of like Christian rock bands that don't sound like worship and praise music in church. And, uh, and there are a few, but there are not a ton. Um, or at least there are not a ton that have like mainstream, like played on secular radio success. And there's almost no crossover now. Yeah. And you know, that that's been interesting. We tried, we tried to be, you know, a kind of a Christian band, but we weren't ever Christian enough to get booked on Christian festivals because we were too heavy. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, we wound up finding that, okay, well, if we, if we play like this, then we don't have an audience at all because we can't get, <laughs> we can't get anywhere to play. But, um, you know, if we just play music that's relatable and try to be the best people we can, then it wound, it wound up that the audience that embraced us was secular. So there you go. I'd love to have my roots in the Christian rock world and stuff like that as well. I think that we could do some good there, but I've not ever been successful at getting those return calls. So now I was going way off track on that because I did want to bring up another song. Sure. I said, I saw you may not have been a love song, but it's actually followed by all of our friends. And that really is a legit love song, you know, but I was being an idiot there by using a cheap segue because I wanted you to tell us about your own personal story. How did you and Kayla meet? Well, Kayla and I have never not known each other. We, we grew up together. I remember I'm four years older than she is, so I remember when she was born. And so um, we've just always been in each other's lives. And we just grew up together and grew closer as time went along. We I guess we met in church when she was a baby, <laughs> I guess. But, uh, but yeah, we've, we've just always known each other. So we got married and uh, now we try to help each other be artists. <laughs> now, going back to your Christianity, I may be off base with this, but I do find in love with something real hints at a Christian viewpoint. So I don't know, am I wrong or right? Well, we try not to tell people what to think or how to feel about our music, but, you know, for me, I mean, that might be faith. I know for, that's not true for everybody, you know, um, you know, other people find something that, that they, uh, you know, feel like is real and that's, I suppose that's their life. Um, but for me, you know, it is a, it is a, a remark about my faith, but I wanted it to be something that people could connect to from other angles as well, from other perspectives. Well, coming from different perspectives, does anyone in the band not share the same Christian worldview? Oh, yeah. We, we all disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's always yeah. fun. Yeah, we, we all disagree. And then we've had people in the band who were, were, were not Christians at all. And so it's, it's been kind of a uh, – this band has always been a, uh, uh, an umbrella under which different people could gather and find uh, 
some some degree of, of uh, camaraderie. And so we are respectful of each other. We can argue. And at the same time, you know, we, we keep our positions falsifiable so that, you know, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. <laughs> it's okay for us to believe completely different things because we're both adults and, you know, we, we've we uh, looked at the evidence and come to opposite conclusions. And, you know, when you're an adult, you have to respect each other and maybe I'll change and maybe you'll change and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're wrong, maybe we're both wrong. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if you're not hateful about it, you know, you just welcome other people to uh, to be people who are on a different growth arc, you know, an azimuth, then um, I feel like, you know, people stay in your life and you, you mature together and you grow closer to what's true together. I guess that explains why you really are the Island of Misfit Toys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we span quite the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been listening to all of your music, so I, I can make a comparison. Last year, you brought out a song that surprised me. It comes across sounding like a high-energy youth group anthem. What's the story with Let's Start a Fire? Okay, well, um, we wanted to put something out in 2020. We wanted it to be an EP, but then that just wound up you know, falling through and... And we thought, okay, what is a song that does what this band does and doesn't take up too much time? And we, we've been sitting on Let's Start a Fire for quite a while. And it, it is not a reflection whatsoever of literal cities burning and stuff like that at the time. It was 100% coincidence that, you know, our cities were on fire and stuff like that. But um, Let's Start a Fire is, we thought, okay, heavy guitars, kind of crazy tempo shifts, and then... Um, the trading vocals back and forth because we we've got two singers so we're like this song might work as as kind of a hey i know 2020 has been rough and here's our kind of gift to you and we'll see you as soon as we can kind of song that was a great idea yeah so that came out during early stages of covid yeah so we shot that right before they locked everything down and then there was an editing process for the music video. And then we, um, you know, we pretty much just sort of shrugged and we were like, okay, well, we can't play anywhere. And the only people who were playing anywhere were people who were playing, you know, those kind of live stream shows and they, they just never sound good. So we were like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to studio and we're going to just live in studio until we can start putting stuff, you know, out new stuff. True, because COVID, that just crushed the whole music scene. It did. A lot of venues, a lot of, a lot of good venues closed. A lot of artists, you know, had struggles a lot. You know, think about everyone who got signed in 2020 early, you know? Whew. Can you imagine? The other issue was that it just crushed the creativity because there was virtually no new music coming out. Yeah, I, I knew that, you know, this summer and fall were going to be intense because, you know, people had been sitting on stuff and had been recording. I know everyone in the city of Memphis who, you know, COVID didn't kill uh, in terms of the bands that, you know, the bands didn't, you know, shut down and close up shop. You know, they went into the studio and they're going to come out swinging. You know, Memphis has a lot of really good musicians and uh, they were not wasting time during lockdown. I find some artists are more interested in recording music than they are actually playing shows. Does with bravado have a precedent? Uh, has does with bravado have a preference? 
In your defense, you're having to say the words with bravado, which is a tongue twister. <laughs> we should have named the band Happy Happy Fun Fun or something stupid like that. I can't believe that we named the band something people couldn't say. Um, <laughs> Why do people have trouble with, with bravado? I think that they don't know the word bravado. Oh, really? They will say uh, bravado, um, bravado, bravado. And then we even got introduced as Barbados one time. And so, I, <laughs> and so I, I, I don't even know, man. Like I, I, I've shrugged and been like, okay, so next band name is going to be different. <laughs> next, next band is going to be called something, <laughs> something unmistakable dog or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I basically, I, I hate being in studio. I just, I just hate it. And it's not a reflection of, you know, producers or, or the skill of the band or anything like that. It's just, it just takes forever. And this is a difficult band to record. You know, it's tons and tons of guitars. It's tons and tons of vocals. It's tons and tons of vocal harmonies, you know, and, and, and this band requires a degree of precision that we get the feeling of it right. Or it feels like you can almost see the seams where everything's sewed together and it's not clean. You know, you want it to be natural and you want it to, to move and emotionally take the ear from place to place. And if you're not doing that, you're just making noise. And I just won't have that. I was wondering about that because With Bravado has just released your latest single, Catacombs. Yeah, yeah. The song closes with this line, this catacomb between cannot come between our love and who we are. It seems to bleed right through. It seems to cut right through. They'll see right through you and me now. What does the catacomb represent in the relationship? Well, this this song is um, the perspective of two different people. And one of them is going through something. And the other person, the female voice, is sort of trying to talk some sense into that person. And, um, and at the end of the song, uh, it's interesting. My guitar player would be like, this day, this time, this thing, this place, and he would have a very specific thing, you know, in mind. But this was sort of a, a feeling of like, of, of overcoming adversity um, in, in the face of just desperate frustration. And the kind of the feelings of the waxing and waiting and the, should I give up? Should I not give up? And then people telling you, hey, I, I'm not in there with you. So I feel like I can, I can see what you're going through and, and, you're going to make it. And even this catacomb, the, even death could not separate, you know, the love that you have for somebody um, and, or for a situation that you're in that you're looking to get out of. And now I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's an opacity uh, with our lyrics on purpose. I want for people to listen to it and I want for it to be kind of like putting on colored lenses you know for your glasses or something like that you know i don't want our music to tell you what to think or how to feel i want for your perspective to gaze through the music and for the music to kind of meet you where you are at the time and and to be relatable the sort of extreme imagery that only a rock band could get away with you know um <laughs> a rock like a rock band or a comedian probably but you know the extreme imagery of even a grave you know isn't enough to to defeat you, you know? Maybe you could tell us what the future looks like for With Bravado. Have you guys got any, like, huge worldwide tours coming up? Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll, uh, Elon Musk has asked us to go to the, to the moon 
and have the first moon performance, which I think is a little ambitious and stuff, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Um, but a- after we get back from that, uh, we're going to release singles throughout the year. We've, we've actually um, just recently gotten one uh, back from mastering and we're going to send that off here very soon. And it's going to be our very first direct sequel to a song. We've never done that before, but we have a direct sequel to catacomb coming out. Um, and it, it continues the storyline and the, the feelings that that song created uh and then we've got one more show and then i'm not really sure that that venues aren't going to close so we've sort of we've booked more studio time and we've got three or four songs already lined up through the end of this year and into the next year so we're very much looking forward to being active in terms of releasing new music and trying to move the needle and push beyond sort of the quality line that we've we've established up to this point if it's not better than something that we have already put out then it's not coming out. We, we take that very seriously. Well, Julian, I really appreciate this. Thanks so much for coming for this talk on The Antidote. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.